Hello and welcome once again to Crazy Comics and Stories. It's me, your charming and delightful old Uncle Rap Bastard. And at the other end of this series of tubes and wires that we call the internets is Joe, Crazy Writer. How you doing today, Joe? I don't even want to talk about that. What I do want to talk about is a Kickstarter because I want to mention it because by the time this podcast drops, it'll probably only be four to five days to join it. Look for Comic Illustrated Winter Special. Comic Illustrated is a project done by, I think it's Mike Wheeler. It's a monthly news magazine from the creators of Mike and Mindy Wheeler. It's kind of like the old indie comics news magazine and like Wizard, but they're like that, but better. And they put out a quarterly magazine where they release like a pinup special featuring the best indie creator out there. The articles are wonderful. They deal with different types of independence things. Independent to them is anything not Marvel DC. And I've picked up both their first issues. And I picked up the physical copy because you know me, I'm not a physical, I'm a physical type of guy. But they do have digital copies as well. Right now, the Kickstarter is for their winter special. It's already been funded. But they're trying to get the word out because as their subscription base grows, they're doing more physical copies. They're doing more digital copies. And they actually contacted me and said, hey, would you be willing to spread the word? And since I got this here podcast, I thought I would. And they might even do a write-up on us. So we got that maybe to look forward to. And the link to the Kickstarter will be in the notes. Yep. So... Again, if you if you want if you want to pause this here podcast and go to Comic Illustrated Winter Special, also look for them on the social media. Mike Wheeler, Mindy Wheeler, they also will link whenever their new one comes up. This is just for the Winter Special, and uh, I've got mine in. But other than that, that's not what we came here to talk about. No, it is previews week. Yay! And we're actually doing it in a timely manner this time. I know. What's up with that? Well, oh. we were able to get our previews in a timely manner. The previews in question is number 423, December 23 for books in February. Oh, wow. And beyond. I'm, I know. I'm having a brain fart thinking about that. The two supplements you want with it are Marvel number 27 and DC Connect number 43. The interesting thing about it is in the previews customer order form they don't list dc right i use it because what i found is it's easier for me doing this here podcast is to just circle what i want rather than constantly flipping back and forth trying to find my pages and notes however dc threw a fast one at me or previews did they have marvel i don't know you can still get your marvel books through diamond you cannot get dc books yeah. through diamond anymore which is really stupid but from what we know at time warner they do stupid things you know you think they would have learned how the market contract way back when i had a comic store but again we're not here to talk about that it was just one of those things that made me go hmm so when i get to the actual dc section i'll be actually just flipping through so you're going to hear my page turning again. See, I try to get professional and DC just doesn't want it. Corey, 
Tell them what's on the cover. On the cover of previews this month, you've got Thundercats, a new Yay! Thundercats series. And then on the flip side is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles PVC diorama. And then on the spine, it's an ad for Free Comic Book Day because they have announced all the 2024 Free Comic Book Day comics in previews starting on page M6. Well, that's not where the comics start. Well, no, but that's where the thing I want is. They have a Free Comic Book Day 2024 comic book delivery van in the 164 diecast scale. Unfortunately, they're only advertising it in a six-piece pack. So I don't know if I'm going to buy all six pieces and sell the other ones or just talk to my friendly neighborhood comic shop and see if I can just get that. But if you go to page 32, it lists all of the free comic book day comics. And then it has the stuff like the hat and the shirt and the vinyl and the delivery van sticker and the T-shirt and everything. You will notice DC is not in there because, once again, DC does not distribute with Diamond. And Diamond owns the copyright and trademark to free comic book day, yeah, so which is the first Saturday in May of every year, which is also very, you know, unique because, you know, the whole thing was originally designed to promote comic stores, but now they're busy, you know, no, we're not going to do it all together. We're going to do it separately. Well, that was, not. that was also back when everybody went through diamond. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. With free comic book day, but yeah, again, you know, Dave Sim figured it out way, 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 way back. Who who did he have as exclusive with? I forget the distributor. Um, everything was peaches and cream. Well, he was with Diamond and Capital no, no. City when he and first everybody. Start, when he first started, he was only with one of the many distributors in the oh, seven. I don't, I don't remember. And I, yeah, I'd have to go look it up. But then he, when he decided not to go exclusive, all of a sudden he noticed his sales like quadrupled overnight so he's like yeah exclusivity is stupid it might be different now because back then you didn't have the interwebs and you didn't have people hype on digital stuff and you know your own platform but he was always dead set against it because you just you're just limiting your market but that's not what we're here to talk about by the way i do want to point out that in the past free comic book day First Saturday of May always coincides with a big comic book related movie. There will not be a big comic book related movie coming out on uh, Free Comic Book Day weekend, it's May third. Going to happen. There is a Disney movie that is coming out that day, but it will be a limited release. The only other movie coming out that weekend is The Fall Guy. Yes, a movie remake of the TV show. Okay. Yeah, and they wonder why nothing is, uh, nobody cares. Nobody's yeah. Okay. May I request something? You can request it, whether you get it or not, I don't know. Well, as I mentioned before, since the DC Connect, I don't have written down anywhere. Should we, can we start with DC? Sure. All right. So go ahead. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about, of course, previews, wonderful catalog. You go inside. And they usually have an interview with the creator. 
they're always advertising something. I'm trying to find the interview who they interviewed this week. Oh, well, it's in there. Go look for it. It's uh, Terry Moore. Oh, yes. Terry Moore, because he is drawing the T-shirt for Free Comic Book Day. Oh, yeah. I may even get one of those. Ready for the weird thing about DC? Yes. There is no new DC series starting up this month. There are a couple of miniseries, but the dawn of DC seems to have, uh, it's not only dawned, it's now early morning. So no more dawning. They're also doing stuff like, you go right to page one in your DC Connect, Joker Year One is in Batman itself by Chip Zdarsky. I'm sorry, Giuseppe, I can't pronounce your last name. And it goes, it looks like it's three issues. So I thought that was significant that they're... uh, Did I, you know, I don't know. Is this, is it, it can't be just three issues. No, yeah. I guess so. This is Batman 142. The tragic death of the leader of the Red Hood gang in Nevada Chemicals has become the subject of myth. But what is the heartbreaking and gruesome tale of the monster who walked away from that violent birth? And how does it affect Batman's distant future? So 142 to 144, the three to pick up, and you'll be able to catch Joker year one. So I'm I'm not reading a lot of Batman, but I probably will jump on for these three. Um, for me, there's nothing new. Let's. I'm, I'm looking flipping. for the. Looking for if they do any reprints. You know, and that's one thing that we didn't talk about. This is just stuff that Corey and I are personally interested in. If you got something you're interested in, be the creator like Jason Aaron, who's still doing action, or maybe you're Mark Wade doing Batman's Superman World's Finest. Hey, give us a call. Even even the listeners, you got something you say, hi, you missed something. We well, also you know. don't go over every every regular series we buy, or this would be a nine-hour extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. I will mention that on page 30 is something I, I, again, I don't know if I'm going to buy it, as a uh, series or but the batman first night number one is written by dan jurgens one of our our local friends here he's teaming up with mike perkins to retell one of batman's most infamous cases through an acuity modern lens acutely modern end sorry I, I did it again. I forgot my cheaters upstairs, so I'm just going through it. The year is 1938. The world's still reeling from the horrors of the First World War. It's on the brink of tipping into an even more gruesome conflict as the fascism's on the march and gathering strength. Against this backdrop, a series of violent murders has begun in Gotham and the recent emergence of the mysterious vigilante known as the Batman, bat slash hyphenated man, it has the power brokers of the city living in fear of the institutional collapse. All the evidence of the murder investigation defies logic. The perpetrators are all men who died in the electric chair. But when Batman comes, when the Batman comes face to face with one of these sickened anomalies, he barely escapes with his life, throwing into question his ability to survive in a world that is brutally evolving around him. And they do give a couple previews of the art on page 31. It's a three-issue Prestige Plus miniseries, so I'm definitely on board for that. 
Um, when we get to trade paperbacks, I am tempted by Lobo Big Fragon Compendium Volume One. I, where Lo- there was something out earlier, wasn't it? The complete Lobo Volumes One and Two. So I may have these already. Well, this is the reprints all of the miniseries from the Omega Men number three up through, let's see here, the story of Superman versus Lobo in, what is it, Man of Steel number 30. So it's got all of the original miniseries. Crossovers like the Lobo cop parody, the Demon number 11 through 15. So this is probably more all of Lobo. I think the other thing I have is mostly just Keith Giffen's stuff. Yep. And then above that is something where I would buy this if I didn't already have. There are certain storylines that I keep kind of in a box because I know I'm going to reread them. JL Ape, the complete collection. This was a series of annuals where... Solovar, leader of Guerrilla City, is apparently assassinated by pro-human extremists. Guerrilla City's new government declares war on humanity. Part of their plot involves turning the JLA into human-hating gorillas. Ooh. It's it's comics, it's gorillas. I loved this. <laughs> Across from it, if you've never, ever bought All-Star Superman, here's your chance in an absolute edition. One of the best Superman stories. Uh, Grant Morrison wrote it. Frank Quitley and Jamie Grant drew it. Definitely worth picking up. On the next page, Justice League Dark Rebirth Omnibus. This was the Justice League Dark series that came out of Rebirth. Written by James Tynan IV and Ram V. James Tynan IV, who does some Someone is Killing the Children and a number of other horror books. This was... This was a really cool series. And James Tynan IV, his star has risen a lot since this came out. So I'm picking this one up. On the next page is one I'm not picking up. This was an okay series, but it's not one I'm going to be revisiting. And that is Flash by Joshua Williamson, Omnibus Volume 1. He had a good run of The Flash. He really did. But I read it and it's not one where i go well i need the omnibus of that because it's so awesome i gotta have it for me it's more okay i read it on dc the dc universe app i don't know as i'll ever read it again because oh my god there's so much flash stuff out there but if you like the flash this is the flash after rebirth and it does have barry allen And it sort of puts the pieces of the Flash back together after everything was really, in my mind, ripped apart by the new 52. Joe, any other books? I'm going to, one that I waited for, the Jurassic League. It's where they took the Justice League and turned them into dinosaurs. Now, why would I go with such a silly concept? Well, first of all, because when they fight, they do it in pro wrestling style. And while I went to go pick up Jurassic League number one and two, when I read about that, I couldn't find it anywhere. So here's your chance. Pick that up again, more for just the humor type. You know, it's, it's canon. If it's in if it's in a book, it's canon. So and that's it for me for DC. On to Marvel. 
Dun, dun, dun. Where I was very surprised at how little I'm buying. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, let me then again, Marvel. it's February. February, if I remember right, February is always the slowest month in comics. Yeah. Joe talked about how you know he'd have all the sales going up to Christmas, and then after Christmas, everybody using their gift certificates. And then by February, it just kind of is dead. Yeah. So the first one for me is on page 18, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, four-issue series, old, rivalry, old rivalries, and new mysteries. The Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver have been heroes, friends, families, heads, and occasional villain, villains, but above all, they are twins who look out for each other. So when Wanda receives a letter from the recently deceased Magneto that would upset Pietro, she burns the letter before he can read it. But her choice drives them apart in the worst possible time. A new threat is heralded by the wizard with a horrifying eldritch upgrade. He's coming for their heads. And if they can't find a way to repair the, their damage bond, it will cost them their lives. By the same creative team as the Scarlet Witch series, this is kind of, okay, the Scarlet Witch series is selling real well. So we're going to do a mini series, see if we could kind of pump up sales to get people interested. On the page before that, <clears throat> mini-series that I'll be picking up as a trade, Night Thrasher! Night Thrasher was one of those characters who, when he was announced, I thought, this is the dumbest goddamn character. <laughs> it's a guy on a super-powered skateboard. But they made him a very interesting character in New Warriors. He died, came back, changed bounced around dimensions so this is kind of the miniseries they're going to use to kind of bring him back into the mainstream marvel universe if you remember night thrasher from new warriors you'll probably want to pick this up if you've never heard of night thrasher because let's face it he's been dead since civil war and before that they didn't use him for like a decade it's a it's not what you think. It's not what you think is a character. They did a really good idea of, okay, if that's the character you're going to give me, I need to make it interesting. So the story is, death of a loved one draws Dwayne Taylor back to New York City, though his days as Night Thrasher are long over, but Dwayne finds the past difficult to outrun when Silhouette, his ex-teammate from the New Warriors, seeks his health against a new criminal called the OG and the mystery of the OG's true identity and what's to come will change Night Thrasher's legacy forever. Forever. For me, the next one's on page 20. Wolverine, Matapur Knight's five-issue miniseries. Chris Claremont, Edgar Salazar. Salazar. Salazar, thank you. Remember, Corey, next time we do this, say, Joe, do you got your peepers with you? So it's basically Claremont, Cap, Widow, and Wolverine together again. They return to the island nation of Matapur as X-Men legend Chris Claremont takes the helm of an all-do Wolverine tale teaming Logan with his long-standing friends, Captain America and the Black Widow. Now, the weird thing about this one is that I was supposed to order issue one last month because of that stupid-ass Marvel thing where they occasionally say, oh, you got to order this sight unseen. Well, I didn't. And now I kind of wish I did. So no big deal. I'll just pick it up at my local comic store or 
What do we do, Corey? We read it on the app. Oh, you do. I wait for the graphic novel. Ah. So what do you got next? Uh, what I have next is the, the what, uh, what are we, let's just call them reprints. Okay. Oh, yeah. We, nah, facsimiles. See, it depends. Reprints are like Marvel tales where they take old stuff and they put it in that. Facsimiles are more, this is what the book would have looked like had you picked it up on the newsstand. So yeah. which one, which one are you looking at? I just want to point them out because remember, we talked about this in the last previews. Oh, page 60. Yeah, yeah. So we get Amazing Spider-Man 253. Last month, they reprinted Spider-Man 252, which was the introduction of the black costume. So this is the second issue of that. Underneath that is Uncanny X-Men 268, which at one point was a $100 back issue. Oh, yeah. Because it, it was uh, Jim Lee's first story on the X-Men, I believe. I mean, I'm just I'm going to tap in on the eBay's and see what it's floating around now. And of course it ties in with the previous story. I talked about the mini series yeah. coming back. This, the Madripoor Knights by Claremont is kind of a sequel to this story because it's also Wolverine, Captain America, and the black widow. Never mind the fact that yeah, the black widow would have been uh, not born yet during the story. Um, and then on the next page, I guess they're going to reprint the whole series because it's part of the 40th anniversary of Secret Wars. There you go, Secret Wars number two. All right, let's see what we got. Apparently, they're already advertising. Let's see, here's, forget it. People already got the facsimile edition up, and apparently there's a 3D image with, or 3D one with glasses that came out earlier. There's oh, wow. Foil edition. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's. So, oh, here we go. Somebody's bidding for one for as low as six bucks. First one I see for sale. There's one for 10 bucks. So, yeah, it's not that hot. You can find it if you want. But at one point, it was insane. Oh, yeah, red hot. I'm going to point out on page 26, something interesting. I'm not buying X-Force, but here we've got Wonder Man and the Beast, the dynamic duo returns. In a simpler time, the Bounding Beast partnered up with Avenger Wolf Wonder Man. But after the beasts fall from grace, is there any chance these two can see eye to eye in a last desperate attempt to take down Beast? Witness the return of Beast. So, and this is part two of Target Beast. So it's the middle of a series. I just thought it was kind of interesting that they're they're bringing Wonder Man back. So who knows what happens when you see old friends? And they are also, this is the month where they wrap up the Gang War storyline and all the Spider-Man books. And I might even go back to reading it again. So, on to the collected editions for me. Whoa, 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 whoa. You've got to point out there's a new Predator series coming. The hunt continues. There's a chance to jump on again. On page 62, for years, Theta has hunted and killed predators in her search for the one that killed her parents. Now she's on a mission to free the human captives from the predators game reserve. But when a super predator's on the loose, even a seasoned hunter like Theta can become prey. Ed Brisson returns superstar artist Francisco Mana. It's a new arc that'll leave you on the edge of your seats. See lots of variant covers, lots of, lots of variant covers. It looks like they're going to do the same thing that Dark Horse did, where Aliens and Predator will just have series of mini-series. Yeah. Yep. So keep an eye on it. Jump on the one you like. 
All right. Now, on to the collected. On page 76. Daredevil by Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. I actually just powered through this. I started reading it when I was in the hospital and could not stop. It's so good. And then the new Daredevil series by Sal, what is it? Salon. I have to go back now. I don't. I know the art, I know the writer, but I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Oh, uh, what page is it even on? Uh, Did they skip it this month? The bastards. Which one? Daredevil. Oh, there it is. Oh, Saladin, 76, 77. Saladin Ahmed. Yep, yep. That's such a good start to a series, too. But this is a fantastic Daredevil series. Highly recommended. On the next page... They are once again reprinting Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender. This is probably my favorite X-Men related book of the 2010s. Psylocke, Archangel, Deadpool, and Phantom X sign up with Wolverine's secret squad of assassins. Their first mission to find a deal with the reborn apocalypse casts a long shadow. As the members of the X-Force struggle to come to terms with their actions, one of the one among them unravels into one only could be called the Dark Angel Saga. Startlingly familiar Deathlocks return to the Age of Apocalypse, warring Otherworld and the all new, all deadly Brotherhood of Evil Mutants await in Remender's extraordinary exploration of the ethics of execution. So good. Absolutely love this book. Also on the next page is Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, Captain America Gallery Edition. If you don't already have this story, it's well worth picking up. Anytime Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale got together, it was fantastic. They did a series of uh, Marvel books that I adore. This one was Captain America White. And the Gallery Edition is a larger size book. So... Then on the next page is the last of the omnibuses. Unlike previous months where they've had like 10 different omnibuses. Nope. It's probably the only one I'm buying. And that is House of M Omnibus Companion. This reprints all of the mini series that tied in with House of M, such as House of M Avengers, House of M Civil War, um, Masters of Evil, what if Spider-Man House of M, the issues of Excalibur, the issues of um, the Avengers. Basically, this is the rest of the story that wasn't in the original omnibus. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta think about that one. We only get one masterwork this month, too, and it's Avengers issue, tw uh, Avengers number 24 with Butch's favorite artist, Al Milgram. Let's see. <laughs> On page 94. Anytime you want to get a Butch into a fight, oh. say, man, the best artist on the Avengers ever, Al Milgram. Yeah. He will never stop complaining about that. I've only got a couple non-omnibus things that I'm, I'm looking at. The first one's on page 94, Predator versus Wolverine. If you didn't pick it up, I think issue two or three is out right now. This is the way to do it. I've enjoyed the first couple issues that I've read. 
and it, it's a hard cover or soft cover. I can't. Either way, it's definitely worth picking up. The other two things I'm looking at are way back on page 108, 109. I mentioned them last month. The they're the Marvel Tales. Uh, one of them, sorry, I misspoke. Wonder Man, the Saga of Simon Williams, where they take all of his different stuff and they print it in a trim size paperback. And then Marvelverse, Captain America, Sam Wilson doing the same thing. These are books that, like, let's see. The the first one, the, the Marvelverse, Captain America, it's only a $9.99 book. The other one is more like a compendium of Wonder Man appearances. Starts with his 1963 appearance, then goes up to, uh, that was way back Avengers 9, then goes up to 152, 153, Tales of Marvel, Wonder Years, 1 through 2, then a couple of the miniseries, Wonder Man and the Beast, Wonder Man 1 through 5, and Materials from Avengers Annual 6. So it's just one of those books that I, I enjoy reading. 400 pages, so some pretty decent read. We've got another of the Black, White, and Red Treasury Editions, and that is Marvel Zombies Black, White, and Blood Treasury Edition. I, I love these Treasury Editions, reprinting this stuff, because it really highlights the art. Earlier today, I was actually reading the Peach Momoku Demon Days Treasury Edition. Ah, oh, stuff like that needs to be at a larger size. It really does. It's just, you get more detail in the art. It's absolutely beautiful stuff. Um, we do have a couple of epics I want to point out. First one is Spider-Girl Epic Edition. That is the Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Pat Olaf series that was about Peter Parker's girlfriend. They had a they had about three books in this thing called M2, which was a possible future of the Marvel Universe. And in a way, it was kind of done where, yeah, it's the future, but not really because it's set in modern day. There was a lot of real futuristic stuff. And it Tom DeFalco said, okay, imagine that all the Spider-Man stuff that you've read really took place in the 60s. And that's how you would think about it. And then it, it also feeds off, it came out of a what if, but there was one plot point. If you remembered the Spider-Man clone saga, I know, you need therapy. And about four for uh, epics. But at the when uh, Mary Jane delivered her baby, a nurse said, I'm sorry, the child was born stillborn. But the nurse was in the employ of the Green Goblin, and the last we see her, she's wheeling away the baby. And we don't know if the baby's alive or not. This was what Tom DeFalco had said, no, 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 we the baby's alive. And the nurse took it off, you know, away so that the Green Goblin could do something horrible later. Well, this is 18 years after that, or 16 years after that. And at some point in the past, they rescued the baby and raised her. Then on the next page is another of the epic. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. you're getting away that easy. <laughs> that never happened. But it did in this series. 
Then on the next page is another epic collection that's modern era, and that's Black Widow Modern Era. And this actually reprints the 2014 Black Widow series. We get a reprint of the first X-Men epic collection, which reprints uh, X-Men 1 through 23. On the next page is an epic collection I'll probably be picking up because it's going to be a couple of decades before this is out in a omnibus, and that is Daredevil Epic Collection, The Concrete Jungle, Jungle, number seven, reprints Daredevil 133 to 154, which was when I was reading Daredevil. It also has the Ghost Rider crossover and the stories of Paladin, who is a character in Daredevil. This is everything leading up to Frank Miller taking over. And then that is it for me with Marvel. Cool. Saving some money this month. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot going on from the big guys. Let's see what everybody else is doing. So our first premier publisher is Boom. I've got something right away on page 50 called The Displace, five-issue series, Ed Brisson, Ucha, Casalanguida. The city of Oshawa, Ontario has vanished without a trace. Even worse, nobody remembers it or the 170,000 missing residents that disappeared along with it. As the survivors also fall into the forgotten, they must seek each other's out if they hope to have any chance of surviving in a world where no one believes they exist. How can you feel connected to reality or each other if by all verifiable means you don't exist? That description got me. And of course, they also give a number of pages of previews art so you can decide on how to get it. For a four-issue series, you know, again, with, with Boom, you can pick it up or wait for the graphic novel. It's, it's up to you. You have a choice. Anything from Boom for you? No. I will point out, I, I don't buy them, but there's a new Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, The Return, four-issue miniseries, written by the Pink Ranger herself, Amy Jo Johnson. Matt Holston, art by Nicole Leon. There's also a Kickstarter going, because I see it advertised all over the place. And here's your chance just to buy it straight from from boom. Amy Jo Johnson says, I want to thank the faithful Power Ranger community for the love and excitement from the announcement of my up and coming Mighty Morphin Power Ranger comic book series, which will reintroduce or which will introduce our reimagined world original style. So they have that. They have a couple pages of artwork. So again, boom, Where, where's my autograph edition? Come on, the money on the table. That's it for Boom for me. Now on to... Oh, you say, Carl, you have more fun with it. Dynamite! I think we'll give a Joe prize out if anybody can remember where that reference came from. Corey mentioned earlier Thundercats is coming out. On page 84 starts the fun with... Let's see. Oh, tons of variant covers. Again, an Atlas edition signed by Drew Moss, the artist on this series. On page 87, there's an interview with writer Declan's Shelby and artist Drew Moss. They give you a bunch of the artwork with it. Very, very cool. Looking forward to that. For those of you who dig the number, 666. There's Vampirella, 666 on page 90. 
just thought I'd point that out. On page 92, you get an interview with Christopher Priest as he rewinds the clock, celebrates 666 issues, and charges forward with the most historic Vampirella story yet. <sighs> Sadly, no Atlas edition, but lots of variant covers and some artwork you can check out. On page 97, Fire and Ice, Tigra. I just mentioned it because we've talked about it in past how convoluted the uh, rights to this thing is. This is written by Bill Willingham, artist Gabrielle Di Carlo. If you liked Sweet Candy Vignetta, I'm sorry, Vigilante, Volume 2 starts up on page 98. This will be another miniseries. Start year two with a resolution to make your life sweeter. I enjoyed the first one. It's kind of cool. If you're not quite sure, check out page 101. You got an interview you can check out. For you Elvira fans, on page 103, Elvira meets HP Lovecraft, number one, and a signed Atlas edition by Elvira. I have signed editions by Elvira, so I wish I knew which one they were using. Cover G. Cover G is not mentioned. Grr. If it was a photo cover, I'd be on it like Oprah on a can to him. There's an interview, of course, on the next page with Elvira's longtime scribe, David Avalon, and some very, very small preview art. So if you like Elvira, if you love Lovecraft, here's your chance. Jump on board. And that's it for me for uh, Dynamite. Next up is Image. And, you know, I've been real critical of Image. But I do like the way they've got their previews laid out, mainly because in the beginning, they do two things. First of all, in the very, very beginning, they list, starting on page 133, all the new series. Now, there's not one I'm looking to buy, but I do appreciate that they're all there. So if you just want to see what new and cool from Image, this is your place to go. And then after that, they have the new collections. Again, something I greatly appreciate because I read Time Before Time in volume form. I made that switch a, a way back. Page 135 has it. The other thing on page 135 also has Times Squared Omnibus by Howard Chaikin. This was solicited way back October 21 and canceled November 2021. You want to know why it was canceled? I, I, you know, I didn't even realize it was canceled until I went and looked it up. What, what happened? He added a third story. Oh, now what it was this back at first when uh, American flag was really hot. He did this as a, as two graphic novels. There was Times Squared, which was the epiphany and the assassination of Black Mariah. The third one, Hollowed Ground, was promised. Never came out, never came out, never came out, never came out. Here we are, over 35 years later, it's going to be in this uh, omnibus. Oh, yeah. So, and you're going to read it, and you're going to go, you're you're not going to feel like it's a 35-year-old book. Howard Chaikin's stuff is amazing. This was a, at the time, people were like, I don't quite understand how the story now everything Chaikin did in American flag and times squared is how people tell comics now. So it's always funny to me remembering people who 
were comic fans who were like, I'm picking up American flag and I don't understand the story. And I would have to sit and explain to them how to read Chaikin's pages. And now everybody uses that style of layout. They don't have a lot of meanwhile in another part of the city sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. He was the one who pioneered that using sound effects and color and different art to give the transition. Really looking forward to this. And really, that is all I have from Image. Yep, same here. On to the deluxe publishers. And there's actually something from... Oh, I crossed it out. Was that, why did I cross it out? 158. Well, oh, yeah. It was called The Last Line, which apparently is just being reoffered. Right. I was going to say, if it's okay. anything from Aftershock, they they haven't put out anything new in a while. Yeah. So anything they have listed, you could probably go to your local shop and get it. If not, here's your chance again. Check out page 158, which is why it caught my attention. All right. On to Titan Comics. What do you, what do you got from Titan, Corey? Go to page 164. There. When Marvel had Conan and they announced they were going to do a new Savage Sword of Conan, I said, you know, this is really cool. I like it, but I wish it were the black and white art. And actually the colorist on it was like, you know, we're trying really hard to blah, you know, basically trying to sell me on it. And it was, it was good. But when I hear the name Savage Sword of Conan, I kind of expect Marvel magazine style where it's black and white art and they go out of their way to really do good black and white art. This series will be black and white art. It's six ninety nine for an 80 page comic, which is probably the best dollar for a page from anybody. It's written by John Arcudi, Pat Zercher, Jim Zub, drawn by Pat Zercher, Max von Fafner, on page 165, you get a glimpse of the art. It looks gorgeous. So you've got a Conan story and a Solomon Kane story. So I hope this is successful enough that they keep doing it. Savage Sword of Conan was one of the best magazines ever printed. Um, especially those early years when John Buscema was knocking himself out on the art. I don't think they... You know, in the 80s, it got a little samey, and the art kind of took a step down. But then in the 90s, when John Buscema came back and they brought in some other artists who were like him, it was always kind of a step up because a lot of artists saw it as this is a spotlight. So looking forward to that, I don't think there is anything else from Titan that I am that jumps out at me. From page 178, Godzilla, the official coloring book. Over 50 pages of detailed line art featuring Godzilla and Mantra and King Ghidra, Rodan, Mechagodzilla. Corey, you're a colorer. This, you got to be getting this. No, not really, and I'll tell you why. I don't really care why. It's Godzilla. Yeah, but it's going to be, okay, Godzilla's green. Godzilla doesn't have he to be. He's the same color, green, all no, over. No, no, no. The first time they came out with those uh, model kits way back in the 60s, he was pink. So... Just because you you know, I've seen your coloring. It's pretty cool. You don't have to go with the norms of society. You want a pink Godzilla? Give him pink. I still remember when they put out the um, 
the adult coloring book for Star Wars, and half the pages were it's uh, Kyle, what's his name, and Stormtroopers. It's like, okay, I colored him black. I leave the Stormtroopers white. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the abstract stuff, baby. All right. Let's see. What do I got next? On page 193, Frank Miller presents Ronan Book 2. Yep. Final issue. I have not seen any of these in comic shops that we go to, by the way. I have seen them. Because I wanted to pick them up and look through, but nobody seems to be carrying them in, in bulk. Yeah, I've seen them the week they come out, and so they must be selling out. And at seven ninety nine, I can see where people might be shy. I'm waiting for the graphic novel, which hopefully Same. Frank has coming out next week. I don't have the next thing I have is on page 202 under massive. I'm not something I'm buying, but I pointed out if you're an Assassin Creed fan, there you go. Assassin Creed Visionary presents Shinobi plus Uncivil War. So it ties into the, I imagine it's a video game, isn't it? Or manga? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Assassin's so, Creed is a video game, a lot of video games. Yeah. So there's your chance. There is something on page 205 that caught my attention. This actually ties into, I believe, a 1980 movie, The Fog. Yes. comic tale of supernatural horror story that reconnects several surviving characters and or their descendants from John Carpenter's original story to a new series of paranormal events that plague Arsenio Bay, a small fishing community turned ghost hunting tourist destination. Now in 2022, something far more malevolent from Antonio Bay's Dark Pass is roiling up from the depths of the sea. They got a ton of variant coverage. You can go page 208. I'm sorry, 206, 207. Nope, forget it. Just page 207. I've got all excited with all these variant covers. Pick the one that scares the crap out of you. Or just buy the variant, the sketch cover and go have somebody draw your own fog. For me, my next book is on page 220. Mine is too. What what do you got? I got two of them. First is The Goon, Them That Don't Stay Dead. Cartel's Goon is left Albatross Press, which was his own publishing, and gone back to Dark Horse. So it's a new Goon miniseries to mark the 25th anniversary. But also on that page, Helen of Windhorn. From the Eisner Award-winning and best-selling creative team of Supergirl World of Tomorrow comes this gothic sword and sorcery epic that's Conan the Barbarian meets the Wizard of Oz. Following the tragic death of her late father, C.K. Cole, the esteemed pulp writer and creator of the popular warrior character Othon, Helen Cole is called back to her grandfather's enormous and illustrious estate, Windhorn House. Scarred by Cole's untimely passing and lost in a new strange world, Helen wreaks drunken havoc upon her arrival. However, her chaotic ways begin to soften as she discovers a lifetime of secrets hiding within the myriad rooms and hallways of the expansive manor. For outside its walls within the woods dwell the legendary adventurers, adventures that once were locked away in her father's stories. Another thing I want to point out, Joe, look at uh, the second cover. It's a foil cover for the same cost as a regular cover. Hmm. We'll see That's why that I'm buying it as a regular comic instead of a trade. Yeah, we'll see if uh, that lasts. I've seen that happen before, mostly with Marvel. They solicit the foil cover and then, 
oh, we're sorry. The price was actually a dollar or two more. So if it is, kudos. If it isn't, well, go right up in the corner. Let's just do a grand slam on this page. Ghostbusters back in town. Greg Pack, David M. Boer, Blue Delaquanti does the art. A year and a half after the events of Ghostbusters Afterlife, the Ghostbusters are officially back in business and heading to where it all began. New York City, Cali, Gary, Trevor, and Phoebe, Phoebe are moving to the firehouse and ready to take on the Spengler family business. Or are they? So, again, they're, they're hoping to have the same success they've had with Stranger Things. And I, I'm kind of excited about that one. It'd be interesting to see how they, uh, if they can do it, pull it off. I can't tell if this is going to be a, uh, I don't know if it's a series or a one shot. Well, I guess we'll find out in February. Yes, we will. I have nothing else from Dark Horse. Anything you got? Well, on page 233, we've got Tales from the Crypt, volume three which is fantastic. Weird Fantasy, Volume 3, which is better. And then Eerie Archives, Number 5, which is where the quality started to stumble a bit. It has still got some good stuff in it, but it is also when Warren was kind of low on cash, so they would pack a lot of reprints. They had younger artists who weren't quite as skilled as the artists before. Archie Goodwin left the editorship to start writing for other companies such as Marvel and DC. So this is where it takes a step down. If you're looking for the classic stuff, it is now ended, but it is still, I still like it. If you like horror anthologies, it's still really good stuff. They still were able to draw in some big name artists. But it's Archie Goodwin's not writing everything. So you've got that kind of a it's gone from an A plus book to about a B. And don't worry about the 70s, it becomes a C. So it's not as bad as it could be. And for me, that is it for Dark Horse. All right. On to IDW. Again, not something I'm going to buy, but something I will point out in case you're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Last Ronin 2, Re-Evolution number one fan. Actually, that's the name of the official sequel to The Last Ronin. And other than that, I think that's the only thing I have that I wanted to point out from IDW. I do like IDW's layout a little bit better, a little more detail. Yeah, their Um, layout really improved this month. Yeah. Image? A2? Anyways... I want to point out on page 239, it looks, we have now gone two months without a new Cerebus in hell. Hmm. Now, it cannot be something that sells really great. But well, considering also something, I've been picking them up in the quarter bins left and right, yeah. Yeah. And it's also something that Dave, who's no longer able to draw, is he's got uh, problems with his drawing hand. He was actually putting together, he would take old classic art from Dante's Inferno and mix in stuff from his Cerebus drawings to do one page, kind of one page jokes that would, sometimes they would feed into the other pages and stuff. It was a very, very 
a very niche product. And there were times when you would just kind of wince at Dave's philosophy coming through too much. But I'm interested to see if it will start up again or if he will move on to other things. Because I was amazed at how long he'd been doing it. Because it was one of those things where, oh, I'll keep ordering it. And now I realize he's been doing it for like five or six years. Um, the first comic I have actually does not come until we get to Archie. All right. So Let's that's page 259. Archie's 1,000-page comic triumph. Another of the 1,000-page big old chunk of a digest. I have also noticed that all of the RT digests are now $9.99. And it kind of makes me feel a little weird because I remember I started buying them through previews and stuff about 10 years ago where it was, well, these are $2.99 and these are $4.99. Well, now they're all $9.99. Don't know how well that sells in today's market. (laughs) But the 1,000 pagers for $16, that's... That's my jam, man. Throw one of those in the car. And like yesterday at the group home, when everybody was asleep, I just grabbed that out of my bag that I keep my my electronics in. I throw one of those in. It's like, okay, it's going to be quiet for the next half hour or so. I can just sit and read these. So that's what I did until somebody woke up. Joe? For Archie, I'm going to point out their two comics. They have the Jaguar. Something is killing the pompous cats of northern Peru. A group of zoologists has come together to investigate these mysterious slangs. They know the culprit is a bird of prey, but the method of killing is unlike any of the birds local to the region. It's going to take someone with apex predator abilities to find out who's causing these murders. Someone like Yvette Velez, a.k.a. the jaguar. But will the predator become the prey? And, of course, if you like the old-fashioned Archie stuff, there's your Archie's Valentine Spectacular for February 7, 2024, right there on page 258. So, well done. What do you got next? Oh, let me start flipping through. I do want to point out that Avatar Press is now down to $2.99 on all the stuff they have left in their archive. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're blowing some stuff out. Way back in Alien Books as you and I used to know them as Valiant. They have the Ninjak Valiant Classic Collection, representing the complete classic adventures of Valiant's slickest super spy, super spy from his deadliest debut and into the pages of his own smash hit series. This is, oh, when did they, oh, 1994 is when this all come out. They also cover some the crossovers in the bloodshot and secret weapons. So if you're like me, I'm more interested in the classic Valiant than the current Valiant. Uh, you can pick it up. If you like the current Valiant on the previous page, there's a Valentine's Day special. Um, I'm going to point out something on page 309 that just weirds me out. Okay, Joe? All right. Fanographics reprinting the adventures of the gummy bears from the Disney <laughs> afternoon Um magazine of the 90s that used to be sold in grocery stores. Fantagraphics is reprinting The Adventures of the Gummy Bears by Disney. That's funny. As long as you're there on Fantagraphics, I had something marked. Let me pop forward to page 309. Oh, right above it. Walt Disney's Mickey and Donald's 
Mickey's Craziest Adventures. It was just one of those things that kind of caught my eye. $22.99 hardcover when Peg Leg, Pete, and the Beagle Boy steal Scrooge McDuck's money bin. Mickey and Donald travel across lost cities, ancient lands, and under the sea, in the air, and into space to track them down. So this is this is presented as if it were a rare 1965 Disney classic. But in fact, modern comic masters Louis Trendheim and Nicholas Caradamaz, they've created an exciting all-new thriller drawn in a kinetic style and presented like vintage artwork. Across from it must be something very similar, Walt Disney's Donald Duck Happiest Adventures. So there's a couple things from Fantagraphics uh, that I'm looking to probably pick up. You know why I, I crossed it off my list? Why is that? $22.99, hardcover, 48 pages. Let's see, what am I looking here for? I don't like any Disney comic enough to pay $23 for a 48 page. Well, you're not. But the question is, is what kind of discount do we get? Because we're ordering it through discount comic book service. Which, on, in fact, on Fantagraphics, you only get about 20%. They do 20 not give us any bling for mentioning that we order from them. I think they should. Yeah. If I, you're I, a Night of the Living Dead fan, you got a couple places to check. In American Mythology, way back on page 252, there is the complete collection hardcover. The super limited printing collects all of the American Mythology Night of the Living Dead comics in one amazing hardcover edition. I don't know how limited it is. Uh, in the previous book, it says that it's signed. So take that for what it's worth. Underneath it's a bunch of limited photo covers, included the signed, only 50 copies made. Do not order the signed ones because I am, I want my signed copies. You don't deserve them. I do. Matter of fact, you should go to page 269 where Corey has mentioned Avatar Press. They're blowing out their Night of the Living Dead comics. Aftermath. The variant, various variant covers, good deals compared to what they go for. The covers alone are pretty amazing. So there, if you're a Night of the Living Dead fan, you've got p -p 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 plenty, to quote Mel Tillis from uh, Cannonball Run. In the meantime, you go back one page, American Valentine, I'm sorry, American Mythology, My Bloody Valentine on page 251. 1961 slasher classic. Comes to comics with a brand new bloody stories for the first time. Love isn't the only thing flowing as the town of Valentine Bluff invites you back for another bloody good time. Tons of variant covers. There's more uh, variant covers for Night of the Living Dead. You, you can just have a bloody good time this Valentine. Or, or you could go with more classic horror on page 317 as we get the second issue of Boris Karloff's Gold Key Mysteries. Witness the dawn of a new era in terror. When a gothic mansion infested with arcane power appears from the mist, Boris Karloff is the world's last hope against dark forces led by a malevolent government agent bent on harnessing the house's power. Boris Karloff is back with the new ongoing horror anthology. I read the first issue and liked it. Do I think that I should have backed it on Kickstarter? Absolutely not. Because the comic that I paid around $4.50 for, I would have had to pay $15 for without any extras. And that's why when it comes to just regular comics, I am not buying them. 
through Kickstarter because the prices, when you get down to it, the prices are insane. There was another comic somebody recently um, said, oh, you ought to back this. It's like a 32-page comic, and the cheapest for me to get an actual comic book in my hands was $25. I would have thought you'd have gone more for the digital option, especially if you're not sure it's like a creator you want to buy. The digital was fifteen bucks. Ah, uh, see, most of the digital I see are like five to six bucks. Yeah, the you need to set your prices at a place where somebody's going to buy it, instead of you know focusing on other things where people aren't buying it because of the book; they're buying it because of your politics or whatever. But the Boris Karloff Gold Key books I like. I'm wondering if this gold, new Gold Key is going to be putting out anything else. Because they are kind of going for that 60s gold key slash Dell style of art and storytelling, which you get you get a little more bang for your buck with it because the stories aren't aren't um, decompressed. But I can see why a modern audience might go, well, this is just dull. <laughs> but that's just me. Joe? Back on page 254. Under Antarctic Press, Critter, the second best is good enough. Critter has grown up as a Midwest superhero, but now that she's moved out west, it's time for her to discover her true place in the world of heroes and villains and her destiny, according to a visitor from the future. Got a couple of variant covers to choose from. She is the second best superhero comic in the universe. And the blockbuster first issue is coming out in February. Bi-monthly series, full color. So it looks like it might be fun. Corey? I am jumping way ahead. Whoa! Up to page 364 under Moonstone. We have a new Moonstone double shot, which is a comic that is two stories, 60 pages for $6.49. We get a... We get a Kolchak the Night Stalker story and a Flying Dutchman story. Moonstone has been doing a lot of these pulpy type adventure books for years and years and years. They've done a lot of Kolchak the Night Stalker. They're also the ones with the rights to the Green Hornet. They basically, this is their jam. And their Kolchak stuff, while the art is really stiff. They're getting artists who are either not well-known or just starting out. The stuff is photo-referenced and looks re- it looks like post photographs rather than people in action. But I'm a big enough fan of Kolchak the Night Stalker that I will pick them up. Joe? On page 286, Fallen, self-made man one-shot from SCX Publishing. Fallen has always justified its his brutal crime-fighting methods by telling himself he's done more good than bad. But now, faced with the most difficult decision of his life, will the good he's done justify the sacrifice he has to make? His entire life has led up to this moment. Will he make the right choice? You got two different covers to choose from, and it's a one-shot. So you got that going for you, which which is nice. On the, right across on the same page, under Chris Adaviano books. Sorry, Christy. Freshman year graphic novel. It's a stylish graphic novel about the unique angst, humor, and self-doubt 
universal to the experience of going away to college from a promising debut talent. Everyone, let's see, Sarah, my, everyone gets a fresh start. Who do you want to be? Sarah's leaving suburban Wisconsin for her freshman year in Minnesota. Yeah. She has high hopes for the future. Impressive professors, meet interesting new people, stay close to her best friends and boyfriend back home, flourish as an artist, and shed her lingering high school anxieties. What seems manageable at first quickly unravels into a tailspin. Sarah's high-achieving roommate puts her into shame, her summer love dissolves, and she's quickly overwhelmed by the freedom, the isolation, and the possibilities that await in this new environment. Based on the author's personal college journals and comics, freshman year navigates that inner workings of an 18-year-old girl in a witty, honest, and heartfelt detail. You got two choices. You can buy it as a hardcover or a softcover. So one of those where, again, I read the description and it's like, that sounds damn interesting. What you got next, Corey? Go to page 373, The Sixth Gun Omnibus. The Sixth Gun was a series I always wanted to pick up, but it started when I was bereft of funds. And then the trade paperbacks went out of print very quickly. They were doing an omnibus version of it. This was Cullen Bunn, who went on to work at Marvel and is now over at Image doing stuff. This is kind of where he started. The last and most powerful of six magical revolvers and the key to unlocking unstoppable power has fallen into the hands of an innocent girl, Becky Moncrief. The gunslinger Drake Sinclair stands between Becky and the evil Confederate General Allander Hume, his wicked bride, and four twisted horsemen in pursuit of the sixth gun. But Drake is no white knight himself. I'm glad they're putting it, this out as an omnibus. It is a soft cover for 40 bucks, 562 pages. So it's a lot like DC's, what do they call those? Compendiums. Yeah, yeah. So really looking forward to finally being able to read this one. Joe? On page 292, under, oh, I got to backtrack. Let's see who's publishing this one. Silly, silly publishers. This is under Comicsburg. The theme of thieves in a world where randomly vanishing in a world where randomly vanishing is a societal way of life. We meet two teens coming of age as they navigate the pearls of high school. Meanwhile, a mysterious man travels through time to try to solve the mystery of why people are continually disappearing in the present. That actually kind of an interesting, uh, combination of themes i thought was interesting Corey, if you go to page 376 asterisk omnibus volume 11 yes they did not put out these for a while but they are back to putting them out i always buy the soft cover because i read them and don't need the hard cover as much but this is one of the most popular comics in the world it has 14 stories short stories, including the day Asterisk and Obelix were born in the middle of a village fish fight, how Obelix goes back to school, fashion in ancient Gaul, how the dogmatrix dog helps the village cockerel win a duel, etc., etc., etc. These are just so good. Um, Asterisk and um, what's the other one? Tintin 
where these European comics that when they come out, they sold millions of copies, but have never really done all that well in the U.S. I'm glad I'm finally able to get a chance to read them because they're just so entertaining, so well done. The translations are spot on. Now the only one that is left for them to start translating and bringing to the U.S. is Lucky Luke, which is a French comic about a cowboy. And I've only read a few of those because they haven't translated very many. And it's also really funny. A lot of sight gags. Um, That's the thing about Asterisk. A lot of sight gags, a lot of history jokes, things like that, that around the world, humor comics do really well here in the U.S. Not quite as much. You either have to put them with superheroes like Deadpool or uh, Sergio has to just power through with Gru. Joe, back on page 311, a five issue miniseries starts from first one first comics, Space Negro, the last Negro. It's a monthly miniseries in a million years, the future. uh, In a million years in the future and a brother still can't catch a break. Space Negro is Supernova Watkins, the last black man in the universe. It's from the mind of comedy writer and artist Jared Jams. Space Negro preview book has been the best-selling show comic in their first 41 years. So, a little expensive, but the premise sounds kind of fun. So, I thought I'd give that a try. Page 379 brings back a series I never, ever, ever thought would ever come back. Penthouse Comics is returning. Releasing 30 years after the original line debuted, Penthouse is proud to present the ongoing return of Penthouse Comics, featuring a wealth of talent all across the industry. We have four tales. First is Gun Crazy, the wild ride of Dolly Sanchez. Two girls fighting for survival in a violent story at the crossroads of Tarantino, VHS stuff, and and the 80s. Then we have The Dream about Megan, a Hollywood casting director who attempts to hang out Hang who who attempts to bring out the potential actor hidden inside a stripper in the San Francisco suburbs. I Spit on Your Grave is an adaptation of the novel that was made into a movie in Miss October. Follows the young and high-flying female who desperately must find the killer who's murdering women one by one and dubbing them each month of the year before she's next. Penthouse Comics came out in the mid-90s, and it had a powerhouse lineup. Adam Hughes worked for them. A number of different creators worked for them. It wasn't just sex, sex, sex. It was, we're going to do stories for grown-ups about crime. Adam uh, Adam Hughes' art in that was just beautiful. He took his art to another level, leaving D.C. and going there uh sadly the editor-in-chief killed himself and penthouse said well comic sales are dropping we don't want to have to deal with getting a new editor and it ended but it was a really cool package with crime stories and adult stories and romance stories and they even started bringing in stuff from europe and japan as the line went on there was even a penthouse action which had stuff from, if I remember right, it had stuff from Howard Chaikin and other people. So 
I am looking to pick this up. I don't know if they can recapture the sort of weird magic that the first one had. And putting Penthouse on a cover of something. I remember even you were having to bag them, not because there was nudity in it, but because it said Penthouse. You were scared that the parents would come in and go, you're selling our children Penthouse. Yeah. Now you don't have to. Who do you think you are, Shinders? Joe. Let's see, on page 312, Maui Mighty Comics. After the headlines have faded, the effects of the disastrous Maui fires are still being felt. First Comics, I'm sorry, this is Gemstone Publishing under their first comic. They've responded with Maui Mighty Comics, a fundraiser comic for which all the proceeds will go to Maui Relief. Tons of creators, and if you go to page 313, you see a nice write-up on it. So I'm always a sucker to help some people out. I will point out, well, actually, Corey, you go next, because the next guys I got, it, it's a grand slam. Pretty much everything they're offering, I'm going to recommend. Um, if you go to page 384 and page 385, the stuff from Rebellion slash 2080, we've got Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files, Volume 20 which is weird because they're up to volume 40, but hey, I don't have volume 20. If they're going to resolicit it, whatever, I'm going to pick it up. Then on the next page, you've got Battle Action Special Volume 2, which reprinted all of the Battle Action comics that Garth Ennis put together last summer. And then the Best of 2000 AD Volume 5. These are trade paperbacks that kind of give you a taste of some of the best stuff that 2000 AD, which is a British comics anthology that has been going on since 1977. So there you go. That's what I'm picking up from them. They've also got a book that um, I'm tempted by, but I don't think I'll pick it up because I do already have it in a regular edition. Nemesis the Warlock Definitive Edition Volume 1 Diamond Exclusive, which is written by Pat Mills, who did Martial Law, and drawn by Kevin O'Neill, whose art, the comics code said, we don't care what you change, we're never approving his art in a code-approved book. This was kind of their first collaboration before they did Martial Law. Really good stuff. Joe? Humanoid Press gets a grand slam for me. Four graphic novels are offering all four I'm interested in. These are graphic novels, so they're more expensive. But check it out. See if any of them tickle your fancy. Page 323, Eden. Desperate to escape a dying earth, a family schemes on their way. They scheme their way onto a massive spaceship towards a new planet, Eden. But shortly after they take off, they discover the terrifying truth. And their journey towards salvation becomes a fight to survive. Story of corporate greed and capitalism left unchecked in an all-too-imaginable future. And as humanoids bound to do, they give you, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages to check out if you like the art. After that, page 331, Star-Crossed. Humanity has made first contact with an alien species called the Ex-Tarax. A peaceful and technologically advanced race looking to expand the borders of their space travel to include Earth. As humanity and the new aliens work to negotiate terms of 
This inclusion, CIA expert linguist Danko Orden and exotic scientist Nomi begin to develop an undeniable attraction, one that could put all of humanity at risk. What will become of these star-crossed lovers? Again, one, two, three, four pages of previews to check it out. On page 336, Soul Before Sunrise, longtime friends Xiong Ji and Ji Wang are excited to begin university in Seoul, swearing to stay close in the big city. But from the moment they arrive, they begin to drift apart. So begins a net, uh, let's see. Song Ji begins a night job at a convenience store where she encounters an enamic, ignomatic woman with particular nighttime hobbies. As the two bond, they be, she begins to reflect on her lost friendships. Her friendship, I'll say, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages of art to check out if you like it. The final one on page 343, Robert Silverberg's Bells of Gore. This is a re-release of fan favorite adaption of Robert Silverberg's Downward to the Earth. It's accompanied by the highly anticipated Children of Belzegore. I'm sorry, that's the name of the book. It's, uh, let's see, that's the original. It was never before released sequel. Confused? I am. In the meantime, you can look at, let's see, one, two, three, four, four pages of original art on this one so it's a re-release of a fan favorite adaptation and then the original and never before released sequel so when you look at the art you're going to see two of the original and two of the sequel and it actually it sounds really interesting before i bounce it back to Corey, i will point out in oni press if you're a rick and morty fan page 372 rick and morty sherlock holmes and mortson Another series or one shot starting out. Corey? Um, if you go to page 394, comic book creator has an interview and a spotlight on Dan Jurgens, who, quite honestly, I have not heard a lot of interviews with. He's been in comics since the early 80s. He's a local guy, so we know him. But I don't know as I've ever seen a big interview with him in one of these magazines or really anywhere else. So I'm actually looking forward to this to find out more of his method, his technique, how he sees the comic industry now as someone who's been in it for almost 40 years. And still is someone who DC and Marvel are willing to give the keys to the kingdom to because quite honestly, once you reach a certain age in comics, it's really hard to get work. But Dan has been able to continuously get work that entire time. Joe. All right. Let's see. Back on page 380 under Polaris books, Superbook, the world of superhero movies, according to Schmerz pod. It's written by John Rain. If you mention the world's the word superhero these days, everyone and their mom can tell you a potted history of it all because they've sat through numerous phases, extended TV series, animated sites, specials, and expensive character developments, culminating in the extraordinary final chapters of the screen, yada, yada, yada. Well, let's put it this way. People would generally only think of a few things before 1997. Christopher Reeve, 
Michael Keaton, Nicholas Hamill as Spider-Man, Bill Bixby trying not to get angry, Dolph Lundgren mumbling in broken English, and how Michael Crawford dressed like a bird. It's the closest thing Disney had to a cinematic universe. Cinematatic. In 1997, there could be no doubt that the genre was dead. Out of the sheen of the ultimate and in were bat credential card, bat credit cards, ugly CGI slash budget, rubber nipples, and Martin Sheen in a girdle. So whatever happened to these heroes? Join John Rain as he walks through every film note from 1978 to 1997, examines just what went wrong and how. This is considered a reference book, so it's a little more expensive, but this is you kids these days and you, oh, I got hero fatigue. You're damn lucky to have any heroes. Look what we had to do grow up with, right, Corey? <sighs> Not only that, I I still have love for these shitty 1980s sword and sorcery movies. Oh. And so many of them are on Mystery Science Theater 3000 or Rift Tracks. And you watch them and it's like, God. When we play Dungeons and Dragons, we love this stuff. Even though we knew at the time they had no money, it was usually poorly dubbed Italian bullshit. <laughs> but it was, you know, the closest we were going to get to a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Same with superheroes. Ugh. Some of the stuff I watched. That Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren is still the movie that I, I just, watching it gives me such a headache. <laughs> It's so poorly made. So poorly made. Uh, the last thing I have in comics, page 400, we not only get a new issue of Vampirellis Carmella from Warrant Publishing, but we get the Vampirellis Carmella 2025 annual, which is their reprint book, which reprints what they think are the best stories. I love these magazines. I really do. Rich Sala who is doing his best to try and recreate that feeling of Warren. He and I have actually been discussing through email, because I mentioned I like the books, except sometimes some of the art doesn't work for me. And he's actually been discussing with me through Facebook messages what artists I like, what ones I think need more seasoning, things like that. He's someone who really wants these magazines to succeed. He's really invested in them. They're a labor of love, and it really shows. When you read through the magazines, they read like, hey, if Warren was still around, this is what they'd be doing. And that's it for me on comics, Joe. <sighs> All right, sit back with me, because I'm way back on page 388. Let's see. First off, Life of a Stepdad from Scout Comics. Slice of Life, Journal Comics. These are words that are pretty hot right now till semi-recently. This is the author, uh, Kylie Marconi, talking. I didn't really have much to offer in the way of adventures, but then I became a stepdad, and things are different now. So strap in for the wild companion, the wild comparisons of the life of nerd Sam and I after I met the kiddo. Collects his first year of Life of a Stepdad, which I'm assuming must be a, a, a web strip. Right across from it, page 389. Roman ritual number one, three different variant covers to choose from. Introducing, this is Scout Europe. It's a new subprint, focuses on European creators and formatting. New ongoing series, 
murder of a cardinal is shaking the Vatican, but this murder is so cruel and vicious that it goes far beyond any crime or conspiracy that has ever taken place in the Vatican. And that is saying something. Self-exiled priest John Brennan is recalled to Rome as the church's most daring exorcist. His mission is to confront the evil spreading within the walls of the Vatican itself. That's actually caught my eye. I thought that was kind of interesting. On page 390, Sunflower's One Shot. It's up on the, the top there. An autobiographical comic about one person's experience living with bipolar disorder. From mania to depression to the balance beams of the everyday, Sunflowers explores the human complexity of an often misunderstood disorder with honesty and vulnerability. On page 392, rock and roll biography, Foo Fighters. Listen, if you're a Foo Fighter fan, pick it up. It's only $3.99. If you're not, well, then jump to page 395. Excuse me, I, I got to get there myself. There we go. Boom, Splat Comics and Violence. This is from University Press of Mississippi, so it's a little bit more expensive because it's considered a textbook. The, it's offering enlightening essays on the enduring and compelling functions of violence in comics. This includes examination of history of violence, forms of violence, modes and systems of violence, political and social violence. Chapters focus on the well-known comics and comic creators such as Steve Ditko's Hulk, X-Men, and the Marvel Universe to newspaper cartoon strips, post-war graphic novels, revolution, civil rights, trauma, Black Lives Matter, and much, much more. And as I look forward, that's it. All right, everybody, flip it over. And now is our good pal, Brian always wants this is the merchandise side of previews uh Corey, i've been talking a bit what do you got to offer brian this year this week this month there was not a lot this month i i didn't see anything that really jumped out at me i think in the gaming section there were a couple of board games that i kind of looked at uh but in the end the only thing that really jumped out at me was on page 83, the Doctor Who TARDIS Yahtzee game. Yeah, I got that down, too. <laughs> hopefully, but, hopefully uh, Brian likes to play Yahtzee. He, he may not be a Yahtzee boy. We, we just don't know. Well, we do know he loves horror and he hates pop figures. Oh, well, then he'll definitely want these pop figures. On page M30, these are the... Previews exclusive. What they're doing is they're putting an imprint of a comic, and in front is a pop figure. They got X Men One, the Beast cover, X Men One, the Magneto cover, and X Men One, the Wolverine cover. Because we all know how much Brian loves to line up his pops and give them names, and they talk and they communicate. He, he just loves it. Barely has enough room for what's on page M22 under Dungeons and Dragons. Sanathar, deluxe PVC diorama, as we call him, a beholder. They say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and this beholder diorama is beautiful. Yes, you will be carted off to the funny farm once people see this is sitting on your desk. So I would I would offset it by going to page M37. And what they have is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Exquisite Series. It's a 1 in 12 figure. It's a previews exclusive, so that means it'll be found both, not only in your comic stores, but 
everywhere else. So much for an exclusive, exclusive to whoever they can sell it for. So you can release the horror as Leatherface returns. And I think that's it. I mean, the the Judge Dread Hall of Heroes Judge Anderson figure is pretty sweet across from it. This is the Judge Dread down below. But uh, that's it, Brian. You got off cheap this month. Lucky you. And because we're between Thanksgiving and Christmas, our sponsors are all the charities that we we feel are important to us and should be important to you. Like this one. During the holiday season, we here at Crazy Comics and Stories and the other podcasts in the Solitaire Rose Radio Network turn our ad space over to charities. And the first charity we're going to be highlighting is the Hero Initiative. It's at heroinitiative.org. It helps comic creators in need. The Hero Initiative creates a financial safety net for comic creators who may need emergency medical aid, financial support for the essentials of life, and an avenue back to paying work. Since its inception, the Hero Initiative has been fortunate enough to benefit creators with more than $1 million worth of much-needed aid, fueled by your contributions. It's a chance for all of us to get back to get back something to people who've given us so much enjoyment. You can don't you can donate. You can go to Humble Bundle, and there's usually a bundle there that you can purchase and give part of those proceeds. There's an eBay site where you can purchase uh, art and books that have been donated, and there are other initiatives that you can get out on HeroInitiative.org. That's Hero Initiative. Dot org, one of the charities we will be highlighting this holiday season. And because it's previews, we don't do a retro review. We only have one freaking and one geeking. So, Joe, what are you freaking on? You know, I have you set a date for the uh, Festivus episode yet? It looks like the day that is going to work best for me will be the night, the 18th. <sighs> Damn it. I thought we'd miss it this year. I mean, OK, fine. That's what I'm freaking on. What are you freaking on? Basically, I'm, All right. saving, I'm saving what I'm really freaking on for the Festivus episode. All right, Joe. In the X-Men, they finally put one of Chris Claremont's old story ideas into canon. Way back in the 80s, Chris Claremont was trying to put together an origin for Nightcrawler. The first origin he put together was that Nightmare, the old Doctor Strange villain, would be his father. Roger Stern, who was both his editor and the writer of Doctor Strange at the time, vetoed it immediately, saying, I'm tired of all the Marvel heroes being connected to each other. So later on, once it looked like John Byrne was going to be leaving the book, the idea he had was that Mystique and Oracle who first showed up in, um, what was it? Uncanny X-Men 141 and 142, the Days of Future Past story. They were going to be a couple. And they were going to be Nightcrawler's father, which is why when Nightcrawler's fighting Mystique and Mystique drops and shows her actual form, Nightcrawler says, Oh, Glabosh, you look like me. And she says, You should talk to your mother the woman who raised him. I forget her name. It's some mystic. You should talk to her about that. And he was going to eventually reveal that Mystique had had fathered 
Nightcrawler with Oracle. And Jim Shooter immediately said no because Jim Shooter did not allow anything remotely close to homosexuality unless it was a gay person being an abuser. And if you think I'm lying, go read his issue of the Hulk magazine that has the one gay character allowed in Marvel before 1989. So Claremont kind of put it in his back pocket. And every time he wanted to bring it up, it got poo-pooed by editorial or something else came up. But in his mind, that's Nightcrawler's origin. And then you had other people do origins and they ended up being so stupid that the next writer would say, no, 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 that was a lie. Well, the current writer on the X-Men, Cy Spurrier, has finally said, I'm going to use Chris Claremont's origin. Boom, there you go. And to me, the reason I'm freaking isn't that this was finally announced after 43 years. No, it's that everybody's going, see, see, comics are woke now. They never would have done this back in the day. It's a story Chris Claremont planned 43 years ago. That was back in the day. And then there are some people who, when I point this out, and I actually will post things from interviews with Chris Claremont from the 80s and 90s, where he says that, they go, well, that's not what Dave Cockrum wanted. Look, just because the creator of a character doesn't have an idea in mind doesn't mean it becomes part of the character. Let's remember, Steve Ditko had Peter Parker hating campus protesters because he was an Ayn Randian. Let's also remember that Len Wein, Len Wein and Roy Thomas, when they created Wolverine, Wolverine was going to be a 19-year-old kid. Dave Cochran was going to have him be a mutated Wolverine. Uh, comics have always been woke and anybody who says that the X-Men has become woke never read the X-Men. The X-Men pretty much since Roy Thomas took over has always been an allegory about bigotry. Okay? End of story. Joe, what are you geeking on? I, I know we dropped one thing already, but I'm still geeking on, on last week because not only... What, did we have a great Black Friday running around? But, Corey, you invited me to the AEW show, and I had a blast. I suffer from what I call no. Hey, you want to do something? Uh, no. I'm home. I don't want to go. But I also listen to the chat. No, I'm not talking about my colon, which right now is rumbling crazy. I'm talking about William Shatner. I've told this story before. Everybody's instinct is to initially just say, no, I don't want to go on. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Shatner didn't want to do another series. He'd done two. You've got other things he want to do, but work is work. He said, yes, that allowed him to go Boston legal. That allowed him to win an Emmy. And that's kind of what I am coming up with. I mean, there's been times we've had dear friends pass away. We've had family members disown us, whatever. I just say yes, because first of all, it was free. Thank you very much, Corey. Second of all, it was a great time. Got together with Butch, got together with Evelyn. 
no idea what the F was going on, but Corey kind of guided us through and the crowds let us through. Very easy to follow who's the good guy and who is the bad guy. Plus, you get to see things that, for the most part, either get cut from the main show or you have to go hunt them down on the YouTube, such as when Sting and Ric Flair gave a wonderful kind of soliloquy of their career, which, at least for Ric Flair, started in Minnesota, which I guess, for the most part, on AEW, was a rampage, they call it? They, they cut most of that. Because, yeah. again, who the hell is going to know who Vern Gagne is except us old-time wrestling fans here? Uh- or the people in Minneapolis. Yeah. A lot of the pure Minneapolis stuff on Rampage. See, Dynamite was live. Rampage, they record. Yeah. And in uh, Don Callis had a, had a promo segment where he ran down Minnesota and Minneapolis. And then Sting and Ric Flair talked a lot about Minnesota and Minneapolis. They cut that partly for time and partly because that's just for the local crowd. Oh, yeah. The only other thing I'm, I, again, thank you, Corey. It was a blast. Had a great night. It ended too soon. Had to work the next day. The only thing I'm laughing about is apparently somebody was in an insult fight with me on Facebook, but as they blocked me, I never got to see their final insult. So if you're going to block somebody, don't bother insulting them because they will never see it. Um, does. <sighs> got to learn to not waste time with Stupid morons and Herberts. Corey, what you geeking on? Last week, I had time to read comics. It had been a while since I'd been able to just sit and read a bunch of comics. Uh, There are a few I want to point out. The first is a series of, well, it was a series that was done by Vertigo, back when Vertigo was fading away. Then... Uh, Now it's been reprinted in four trade paperbacks. It is Air, and it is written by G. Willow Wilson, who has done all sorts of stuff, including created Ms. Marvel, the Kamala Khan. And it is drawn by, I'm pulling it up here, M.K. Perker. And it starts as a story of a stewardess who has fear of heights, And she's on a plane that looks like it's about to be hijacked. And from there, things take a weird sideways turn into countries that don't exist. The return of Amelia Earhart. New forms of flying and transportation. A war between people who don't want this to happen and those who do. And I'm I've I've finished the first two, and I imagine the next two will be just as full of weird twists. I love this book, and now I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't buy it when it was back with Vertigo, although I'm glad they did get to finish the series. But also the fact that I had time for the first time since early November to just sit and read comics, man. Like today, I had time to turn on my Xbox and play some video games. Time. That's what I'm geeking on. Having time to enjoy stuff. Believe it or not, kids, this is the shortest previews episode we have ever done. Oh, you owe us for the next one. 
And as we say every week, the comic we like the least, we still like better in the comic that you uh, like the most. Joe? What if that spider you killed in your home had spent his entire life thinking that you were his roommate? You ever think about that? Huh? No. You only think about yourself. Corey, as of now, I'm rash free. Hit my music. Another fine podcast from Solitaire Rose Networks. The end.